Blog Talk Radio. Mr. B.D. Galloff. Good evening, sir. Howdy. We are uh, joining you for the first time in the unique situation of uh, during an Islanders game, but that doesn't matter since most people listen to this, uh, the recorded version of this. We'll just do our best, or I'll do my best, to try and not be distracted by the fact that uh, Toronto Maple Leafs just tied things up. But anyway... um, the Islanders are on quite a run right now. Big win over the Rangers over the weekend, four in a row. Uh, big win over Pittsburgh last night. And uh, all is right in Islander land. People are starting to get excited. And then, lo and behold, in the win over the Penguins, the starting goaltender goes to, goes down. And we find that that's uh, for approximately a six-week period. Commence panic. Am I right? Are you sensing that already? No, I, I don't, and I, and I think it's because uh, people have been kind of arguing that Grice is, you know, because his stats are so stellar in his, uh, you know, lower frequency in the tandem. Um, they seem to, you know, a lot of people have argued, well, you know, but, you know, there are there is a little bit of concern for those who are not convinced that Grice is, uh, you know, a top goalie or a full-time material. Uh, maybe because I've talked about it once before. Um, that said, you know, this is when the backup steps up, and we've already seen uh, Grice steal games and step up before. So it's not like we're doomed. But I, I don't think that, uh, you know, anybody who's watching the stats and thinking that, you know, that Grice is currently, you know, leading the NHL in a couple of stat categories. Um, I, I wouldn't sit there and expect that to continue. I think that's going to drop a little bit. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's a, it's a wonderful point to make. I think the Islanders are in a good position, and this is the reason why you get two competent goaltenders, of course, uh, or at least that's the logic behind it. But the, the first thing is, I mean, it's an adjustment, right? You, you, you fall into the role that you earn on the team, given the situation and, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, Thomas Grice has gotten used to the situation that he's been in for most of the season, which to this point has been appearing in less than 30 games, I believe, with great um, numbers in that time. But those, you know, extrapolated over the, the, the load of a full-time um, starting gig, uh, it would be a lot to ask to keep those up of anybody. 
And there's always, uh, you know, it's not like he's played two or three games here. Obviously, he's played a decent sample size, but there's always the adjustment of the team in front of you to different goaltenders. I mean, maybe that that period is is over with and the Islanders are comfortable in front of whomever. Um, But with that in mind, you know, you have to think that uh, J.F. Berube is going to have to get uh, a handful of games here down the stretch. Six weeks is no uh, is no sneeze. That's a decent chunk of time. And obviously uh, that puts us right into the uh, playoff picture. Exactly. It's 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 about, you know, uh, like the title, you know, basically we have to go the distance without Halak. Um, those who keep on dismissing Halak, who who has his share of, you know, off off games. And, you know, we've seen over the course of the season, he even started the season kind of injured. Uh, we've been wondering what has been going on. Is it his back? Is it his groin of hiring both? Um, who knows? But obviously, this uh, looked like it was a groin uh, injury here for the next six weeks. But um, you know, he's the guy who's been in the playoffs before and and been the guy to you know that has the experience. So it is not exactly a cakewalk. So there's right to be concerned. That said, Grice has been performing very well, um, and the team has confidence in him, and so is his teammates. And I think that's important, too. This is not something, you know, as the Islanders are having a great stretch run here, um, is something that really is going to be mucking around with their confidence or chemistry. Basically, he's been playing just quite a bit. So, and for Barube, you know, to tell you the truth, and I brought this up on Twitter, that Garth Snow, once again, looks like a genius for not only signing, uh, signing Grice, which has been their most important signing for this year, not the elite forward that nobody got or anything else. It's been, the, you know, a testament to the, the priority that they made it. But also, um, after losing, um, oh, God, uh, Poulin, uh, they stepped up immediately on waivers and got in Berube uh, and have been making sure to keep keep him on as much as possible and clearly that insurance is now once again he looks like a genius of knowing that this could be an emergency situation or something can happen and you know and he's performed pretty pretty well in 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 the couple of games that he's been in so you know and I, i expect him to go into a tandem much like uh, where Grice is doing the halak time, and uh, Barube is now going to be getting the what what was the backup time. So, how about uh, rewind a little over a month ago? We're just coming uh, out of the All Star break. Uh, the first game of the second half is against Minnesota. Barube gets the start, and on this show, uh, I let kind of led the charge that the three headed goalie monster was a silly idea that uh, there's got to be something else come, you know, coming down the pike here. How are they going to keep these guys fret, whatever, all that stuff. And people kind of were echoing the same sentiment online. Uh, and lo and behold, look where we're at. So good thing. <laughs> it's a good thing that he got into that game, got a little confidence. It's a good thing that, you know, Thomas Grice has been used um, uh, frequently really in this, uh, you know, since then. Uh, and he's ready to jump in and uh, and take over the starting role. Just goes to show you how much thought is put into organizational depth uh, for successful teams. And, you know, if this works out and the Islanders still, you know, 
advance to the playoffs, which certainly looks likely, and and hopefully win around and do whatever they can do after that. That uh, you know, Garth Snow has made uh, other very important and unheralded moves. Speaking of that, though, I mean that six-week time frame puts us uh, pretty much through the regular season and probably through the through the completion of the first round. I would think, just looking at the calendar. Um, but even yeah, I think it, it takes us quite a bit into uh, you know yeah. in, into April. Yeah, we're looking looking at about April twentieth. I would I would guess just right around there. Uh, but that you know even if it were a week prior, let's say he's healthy in five weeks, you got yourself a story there. The story that uh, a lot of people like to make more out of uh, than it should be maybe when it comes up sometimes, which is. You know, down the stretch, hopefully we're talking about the Islanders continuing to stay hot. Thomas Grice playing really well, hopefully locking up uh, one of those top two spots for home ice. And well, then what? Hey, look, Halak's getting ready to come back. Who gets the Who gets to start? Yada yada yada. It's the It's the age old story, but you know, cross that bridge when you get there, I guess. But uh, at the same time, it's you know that that'll be an interesting question when the when the time comes. Yeah. Well, you know. It, it's going to be very interesting because it's it's very tight. Um, the Islanders have been on this run, and yet they're still just, um, you know, is still you know if you look at the wild card, there you know there is a little bit more distance there, but you you get scared as you see the Islanders you know still on the on the bottom because right now, um, you know all of them are doing really well, and going on a run here, and. You know, luck will run out for a couple of those teams, and maybe even including the Islanders, who've had a very good run of puck luck late, lately. So has uh, the Caps, who have been running with puck luck for a long time. Usually that corrects itself. So it's going to be very interesting. The Islanders, uh, in their goals against, look fabulous. They're, you know, they're one of the top teams. And, you know, the, and it's been, besides just the goaltending, their defense has been pretty good. So, you know, as long as they can stay, you know, health is such an issue now as we start to, you know, come into this basically last lap, this next five weeks or four four to five weeks is going to be, you know, if, if you've been concerned, you know, that the Islanders could go on, you know, on a losing streak and pop down in the standings. Well, it's so tight right now that it could. So it's going to be really important for them to to keep pace and uh, and get to there wherever they might be, as long as they're within the playoff uh, picture. I think, and we'll you know we'll see. I I do know that you know one of the things, and I I really want to punch through this assumption. Uh, Grice, the more he plays, the more human he is, and I think that you know I I think if you have unrealistic expectations you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. That's why every time everybody starts declaring Grice should be the number one starter, I'm like, nah, he's a career backup. He plays a certain amount, and the Islanders have been very careful. And, and if you look at the pattern and the way they've, the tandem has been, they put a lot of attention to the pacing. Um, I don't think he's the same goaltender with, uh, with the full-time gig. That said all they really need is for him to be above average um, and hopefully beyond that. He's been excellent. And if he can just be very good, 
that's good enough down the, down the stretch, and that's what's so important. If he's just above average, it gets a little dicey. If he becomes average, we're in trouble. And that's, that's going to be something to, to watch. That said, with two goalies, you know, uh, you know, that's an opportunity for, um, for, the, for the backup to have an opportunity as well. So, you know, and then Halak, yes, they said six weeks. You hope that it'll be sooner. But the Islanders just really need to make sure that they're staying with the pack and putting themselves in position. I, I, as much as I would love the home uh, ice advantage uh, when you have an injury like this and it's some reality stirs in, I, I don't know which way it'll go. If, if everybody was healthy, I think they would have a, a great shot. I'm a little concerned about that now because of the reality of the more Grice plays, he's not the same goaltender. And that said, he's not, you know, the, the tandem is not what they were. So I'm hoping that it's good, still good enough. You know, that goals against number is not something that I've been paying super close attention to. But that, I think, down the stretch here uh, will be something to keep an eye on, given this injury situation, given the fact that Grice takes over the full-time starting role. Um just to kind of see where they end up. I think you're right. I think it's about, you know, maintaining your position uh, at the very least and, you know, uh, surviving through this unfortunate injury to Halak. But, uh, you know, fourth in the league overall right now, uh, second in the, in the, uh, yeah, second in the Eastern conference with 159 goals against before tonight. Um, That's, uh, that's pretty, Oh, it's pretty impressive. And, you know, uh, I mean, it, again, it, there's a lot of factors that come into play down the stretch here, but it, and, and maybe it's not exactly a true measurement, seeing as how they have games in hand on just about everybody. So, but it's not that far off from a true measurement either. So, um, as things play out here down down the stretch, uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's. I mean, that'll be the key, right? Like that'll be the determining factor as to whether or not they stay pretty much where they are, whether they take a couple of steps forward, or whether they lag behind a little bit. Um, you know, everybody looks at that home ice thing, and the players started kind of talking about it here and there. I'm sure they've been asked about it, and they're not, you know, were prompted to respond to those questions and not just coming up with that themselves, but. Um, that becomes a focus at this time of year for a team that's starting to really find its stride and, and, and produce some consistent success. Um, but, you know, if they don't get that, it's not the end of the world. There were times this season when that didn't look uh, all that probable. Um, but we've seen in the past, <laughs> once you get into the playoffs, I mean, look at game seven last year. That's the big, that's the big uh, issue for a lot of people. They want that, and they'll settle for nothing less. But, I mean, things happen. Unpredictable things happen. You have to account for them. And, again, that's why you uh, go out and you get yourself at least two capable goaltenders, three in this case. Yeah, that's what's so important. You know, the Islanders are not, uh, you know, cup or bust where they have the type of depth to offset. You know, this is basically six weeks out for their starter. This is horrific for any other team in the NHL unless you have a fabulous backup. Um, one of the rare, you know, not many teams have the situation that the Islanders have this season. You know, thank God we don't have Chad Johnson in this scenario. Um, so it shows that the Islanders did the right thing and, and also, you know, uh, just w- w- how we now understand their, you know, the philosophy. 
of them signing Poulin as well at the start of the season. And though they lost him on waivers, immediately grabbed uh, Berube on wa- on waivers to make sure they had the same thing. So obviously they foresaw this kind of situation. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and, you know, they look like geniuses because of it, because right now that is the biggest situation. The the goaltender signing and the backup for Grice has been the most uh, – the biggest thing for the Islanders and has led to, you know, many a saved game or, or a situation and, and stolen games and wins um, that that's been a real difference maker this season. You know, we can complain about a bunch of different things that the Islanders didn't go and get, but we also have to look at the, you know, the player performance uh, dropping off. And speaking of player performance, I'm looking at Anders Lee, who's coming on hot, you know, uh, bunch of points in uh you know in the last five games you know we're talking about you know strom hasn't exactly been uh, razor hot but we had talked about at least one of them stepping up and right now anders lee is stepping up just when he needs to be so he's got you know one two three four five five points in the last five games which is so important so they're you know and the possession is, is, is running well, and that's important also for them to be consistent. And let's all, you know, Anders Lee's game, other than scoring points, has shown signs of coming around too. And something that I really liked that I saw uh, last night uh, was, I believe, on the winning goal, uh, setting screen in front and uh, kind of mixing <laughs> it up, getting physical a little bit with Chris Letang, who, by the way, again, the, the point that I'm bringing up here is that that's, you know, that's kind of part of his game, you know, big body. He's good at deflecting pucks and causing some commotion in front of the net, in front of the goalie like that. Uh, but a little side note is how in the world, I put this out on Twitter, how in the world does Letang not get a minor on top of all that? I think I counted a, uh, a cross check, a slash, a high stick, and something else all within the span of about five seconds there. But... <laughs> We don't need to go on a tangent on the officiating in NHL because that's uh, that's material better suited for an off-season show, I think, because I could talk about it for a full hour. Uh, but no, back to back to the original point. Yeah, Andrews Lee's um, uh, play of late is a great sign. We did say that one or both of them stepping up at least one was going to be a key to continued success. I actually thought uh, yesterday, and I'm glad that that bringing up Lee's success reminds me of it. In yesterday's game, in particular, I thought Ryan Strom looked a little shy, and that's not a uh, that's not a description you want to make of uh, of a hockey player at any level. So hopefully, um, you know he'll he'll, he'll get uh, the confidence going again, and any extra production from him or getting a couple of other guys going uh, is only going to be a good thing. Obviously, Tavares, who uh, uh, is back on the score sheet tonight, although we said we weren't going to talk about that. That's my fault. Uh, it, it continues to, to play well after a little bit of a lull, uh, but it's the other guys that are going to make or break things as we move on. Yeah, well, and and look, well, the, one of the things I've noticed, especially since Grabowski has been out, is Strom is kind of fluttered. You know, he had really – Strom had come back and then been paired with uh, Grabowski, Grabowski, who's constantly um, – underrated um, by people who just look at his stats because he plays a very good possession game. Lo and behold, him and Strom were actually clicking so much that they ended up on the first line with uh, JT. And they were doing well. And then, of course, Grabo goes down, unfortunately. Um, That's the way it goes. I think that may be a little bit of a confidence issue since, you know, Grabo's been out and I don't think he's 
scoring the same way. At the same time, Franz Nielsen and Kyle Poso, both with six points in the last five games. So that you're seeing players stepping up. And, it, you know, it's, you don't always have everybody step up at the same time. But what's good is the wealth of talent that's there. The right ones are stepping up. And, you know, people like Strom, it's going to see a little less ice time. Maybe not used in the first, you know, in the top six as much, or you know, maybe doing more of the things for possession rather than the tally. Something that uh, you know Grabowski seems to be underrated for, and right now they don't have him. Um, I really think that you know Prince is doing a little bit of that, um, and uh, you know they're still having everybody else score, and that's what's more important, even if. Is the thing that needs to be asked is is Strom's line scoring? You know how are they doing possession wise? I think that probably is probably more important. You know, not everybody gets the tallies, but it, they still take part in getting the and uh, keeping the puck in the zone. And I think that's important too. And that's what we tend not to look at um, and tends to be underrated at times. So, but yeah, JT is starting to turn it on again. Um, you know, I'm just going through, you know, Brock has been a little bit cooler. Um, Letty has been, uh, fabulous in the last five games with, uh, let me see here. One, two, three, four, five, six in the last five. Boy, Chuck with a couple the other day. Yeah. So, you know, the right guys are waking up. It's not everybody all at once, but you know, that's, what's important. You know, I, I think, I think we have a, quite a discussion on Strom when it comes to off season, um, you know, to to really, you know, what do we chalk up this season to the trials and tribulations, and we'll see what how they stack up also in the playoffs. But yeah, he's been, you know, basically goose eggs in the last five games, and actually in the last five games, uh, Strom has only had four shots, so. It, it's, it is a cause for concern, but we had talked about it. Not everybody has to chip in all at once, but you do want to see, you know, this guy that had 50 points last year, uh, just kind of just hovering at 23 again. And you're starting to wonder, you know, is he in the right situation on the right team in the right setup? Um, and that's a, for a conversation in the off season. Yeah, I, I I know that uh, you know people want to get super excited or or get completely depressed about a second or third year player, um, you know, at their highs and their lows. But I think it's still a matter of figuring things out, right, over the long haul. And again, just like team doesn't really account for, they can safeguard against it, but they don't plan on or account for um, a, a goaltender injury with six weeks out to their starter, six weeks out from the playoffs to their to their number one goalie. Uh, you know, a, a player in his second or third year that's really just figuring out the NHL, um, no matter what the talent level, and is going to run in, is going to run into some issues regardless. Uh, forget about the uh, the unknown factors like injuries to line mates, guys that he's starting to find some chemistry with, and that doesn't have necessarily even have to be to line mates. It can be to somebody else in the top twelve and shake up the whole you know the whole mix of forwards. And, you know, those are factors that people don't want to take an extra second to think about. I think that uh, you're right. I think a further playoff experience 
this season will be tremendously beneficial to him and a couple of the other young guys. And I think moving forward, the expectations can still be set high uh, for Ryan Strom and for uh, a couple of other players who may or may not have underachieved in the opinion of some this season um, as their careers are really just starting to get going. Yeah, and and this this falls right within you know. Then we also have Ryan Pluck finally up, and finally getting some time. Um, you don't really see him kind of fucking up, and you don't really see him scoring a whole lot, and that pretty much tells you that you know he's right where he needs to be. Yeah, um, but they'll tell you his- they'll they'll tell you that you know for for a defenseman like that, uh especially at this stage of the career, four games into his career, to have a a, a stat line of 0 0 0 plus 1, a modest amount of, of of ice time, not a lot of uh commentary on his play. It's probably a good thing. Meaning Yeah, it's you, very you, much you, a good thing. Not- I would give you a, a comparison. Uh, last couple games with Edmonton with Reinhardt up, um, even when they were doing, um, you know, some possession uh, tallies, he's been the worst on possession. It gives you a good uh, sample of a guy who's ready and a guy who's not. And Ryan Pollock is doing quite fine. You know, if you had an expectation that this guy was going to be on the power play, towing up goals and doing all these things and doing his great shot, uh, you were wrong. This is about uh, a player getting used to the NHL speed, the NHL play, and being eased in. And that is what's more important because Pollock, as long as he stays steady, as, as especially when DeHaan gets healthy, um, the Islanders have a, a, a good gauge of deciding who's the best player to have when it counts most. And I do think, especially analytically, um, especially I had the, uh, if anybody was following a couple of days ago, you got the rare reaction from me that said there was no reason to have Pollock out and, uh, straight in, in a, in a previous game with the Zitalikian, which really made no sense to me analytically. And that tells me, you know, the coaches don't always follow that. The coaches go with their gut and everything else during the season. Um, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. As long as Ryan Pollock plays this type of um, play and keeps on going, uh, it, it's the better situation because I would love for when this playoffs start that Pollock is in and Strait and Zidalecki are on the bench as depth. That is the best scenario because I think that Pollock can bring a little bit more to the table. And you know what? And it gives the the, the 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 team some options as a as opposed to being a forced situation. So that's, and that's the uh, that's the whole that's the whole idea behind waiting for the right time to bring up a kid like that, right? Too, uh, you know, when the situation presents itself, and then you get and things you know go well slowly, but slowly and steadily. Uh, opportunities are presented oftentimes because of injury, right? But those guys that get injured most of the time come back at some point. And then you've created a surplus of depth if things have gone well, you know, in the interim. So far, early returns are, yes, things have gone well. So far, guys like, you know, uh, DeHaan go down, uh, Hickey missed some time, um, uh, Boychuk's missed some time, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, when you get into the playoffs, especially on defense, you're going to want that that depth. I mean, look at last year. 
Mayfield yeah. and Matt Donovan had to play a pair of games. And that was obviously, you know, that didn't cost them the series by any means, but it, it, it could have been in better shape there. They weren't well, it cost them, unfortunately, the possession side of the game. And, yeah, uh, which is key, know. which is, you yeah. know, you'll argue that that's their number one key to their success. And there's not a lot of people that can, that can debate you on that. Um, but even on the forward side of things, I mean, you know, uh, having the adversity that Ryan Strom's gone through and, and maybe, you know, it'll be explained to him or as if it has to be explained that once the playoffs come around, you know, it's your time, kid, you know, make a name for you, whatever the message is, um, the depth and command that you know, I've we often remind ourselves of what we've talked about on this show. But I've almost forgotten that at the very beginning of the year, this is one of the things that we talked about most. If a few things fall in, into place, there's going to be some serious depth to speak of on this team. I think when I was bringing that up initially, I was thinking a lot more about the forwards uh, and the mm-hmm. opportunity to maybe, to, to maybe just have, you know, multiple guys scoring buckets of points. That hasn't necessarily been the case, but there's production up and down this lineup still, uh, and it's come in spurts. You know, when it hasn't come, it's been, it's been for a variety of reasons, uh, but I think they're also starting to learn you know, that it's not just about these barn burner games that, uh, you know, you can't produce every single night. I mean, those are fun to watch and fun to play in, but that's not how you win in the playoffs. And that's what it's all about. And maybe all of this in a big roundabout way that I'm famous for is uh, is evidence of, you know, this team kind of being more of a, a playoff mold as opposed to anything else. Yeah, you know, we're seeing, look, we're not seeing a lot of third uh, periods blow, you know, where they've they've lost the lead. They have, yeah, they're scoring tons in the third period. You know that can't be appreciated. And and of course the coach gets no, you know, no credit for this. But let me tell you, what last year or the year before, how many third periods blown into to smithereens? This season they have been in command in the third period. Yes, there's been a couple here or there, you know, the fact is they're playing competitive teams in a competitive game, but it hasn't been, you know, on the weak side of, um, you know, showing flaws. Instead, they're showing strengths. And, of course, the coach won't get any kind of credit or the players as they develop. We'll just harp on the same things over and over again. But the fact is they are better in certain respects, even despite some trials and tribulations this season. Um, and that, you know, it, as it was cited to me, it doesn't matter if they could, they could have their trials and tribulations and struggle all along. It's how they play in, in, in the last lap and into the playoffs that counts the most. And, and that's, we're seeing come true, you know, and that's uh, what we, we always they, talk about. We, we always talk yep. about teams that peak too early, you know, that, yep. uh, I mean, I think they did last year. I mean, I think that's the the argument that that we've made several times, and it was it, it was true on a on a large scale. And it was also true in huge situations, like the last game of the season was a great example. I think I said it on the show too. I was I was on a little mini vacation. I was at a a, a music festival on the beach somewhere. I was just paying attention to that game. I think it was against Columbus on the last day of the season, if I remember correctly. Uh, and I checked my phone and noticed that there was a two-goal lead, I think, going into the third period or something like that. It looked to be in the bag, and then after the game, you know, they lost, and that was a microcosm of what they were at that time. I'm not saying that less than a year a year later they're 100% better, uh, but there have been, you know, instances of improvement that need to be recognized. 
I, as we all know, I'm, I'm the, the guy that, you know, can't, can't seem to bring himself to give Jack Capuano any credit, but uh, the third period blown leads were something that he and the team had to improve upon. I think that goals against numbers sort of speaks to that a little bit in a little bit of a sideways kind of way. Um, and I think the fact that it's just not happening is, is, is the further evidence of that. Yeah, you, like you said, it has happened here and there, but it wasn't, it's not as consistent, nearly as consistent as it once was. Used to be, they were up two goals in the third period. You knew that this thing was still way within reach for the other team, for sure. Yeah, yeah. This this year, not nearly, not nearly as much. And again, I think that is the uh, the mark of a team that's starting to really get, get inch closer toward being that postseason team of that postseason mold. I'll also say that you know I'm starting to come to grips with the fact that. You know, as I get older here, I, I kind of have that coach killer mindset. I don't believe that that Jack Capuano is anything near the greatest coach in the world. I think, and I think maybe that's just something I've convinced myself of. There's a lot of evidence there that I could cite for days, but I think it might just be something that I've convinced myself of, and I'm not going to turn back. But you know, there are times when certain people are just not going to like the way a certain coach might be in any sport. I uh, have never been a big Terry Collins fan with the Mets. How could I argue what happened last year? You know, and 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 do we overstate sometimes how much effect the, a coach has on a team? I think we might. You know, at the end of the day, you know who's playing the game. I mean, I know the coaches are obviously important, but uh, it's about the players growing too. They're the ones that are that are producing the product on ice. They're the ones that are producing the results. That is. And uh, you know these guys are obviously growing together. They're 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 becoming more seasoned as a group and individually. Uh, some of them at more at, at you know further levels than others, obviously. But uh, maybe 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 patience is virtue, and maybe accepting the fact that not everybody is going to get behind any particular coach or any particular player. But the but the team may still succeed despite that. That might be something that myself and others might need to just deal with. Yeah, you know, there'll be a point and you know, we'll talk about it in the off season where they they'll reach a point, especially I think there's a big summer ahead of change of you know, uh, of starting to put forth uh whether, you know, uh you know, we can talk about, you know, we'll blame you know, here. Here's an example. Ryan Strom is not having a good season. Would he have a better season under a better coach? Well, conversely, would all those players that are succeeding under Jack Capuano have the same season? You know, there's a give and a take here. Eventually, we have to discuss it when they reach a point of no return, and we're not there yet, and the season is not finished. That is why I feel like no matter who's convinced of what, we have to let it play out. And uh, even even if the Islanders make the, the first round and get knocked out, I don't think the coach is going to change. I certainly know well, Garth Snow is still going to be GM. So well, I'm, starting, uh, I'm starting to realize that that the key to making a coaching move or even a management move is uh, not necessarily when you recognize that said coach or said manager is an absolute failure. I think more often than not, it's uh, it's either when a team goes into a tailspin and the and the group isn't responding anymore to the message, or it's when you simply have decided and committed to the fact that this team or this group has gone as far as they can possibly go under this guy. And -hmm. sometimes those situations are really no fault of either party, right? The team or the coach. 
Uh, yeah, it's not it's always. It's about a situation. It's about a bunch of different things, and there's and and we're not there. You know, that's another season or two away. That when you start to see the the mechanics of that is when you start seeing the Islanders starting to groom somebody else and doing a change at Bridgeport. That's when yeah. they'll start to, you know, yeah, that's and, when you and, find and, somebody in a different system and start to groom them and possibly and to be an option. We've, we've, we've covered that specifically. And, and, you know, I mean, I think I'm trying to make a little segue here slowly but surely, but I think that, uh, you know, once we decide, and I'm speaking of myself and there are many others like me, I can name a few by name on Twitter, but I know there are so many others that are nameless and feel the same way. But once we decide that this is not the coach for us, meaning we the fans, it's hard to go back from that, right? It really oh, yeah. is. And we well, that's well, because you're always pick. looking for the same things. And sure, once you've decided that, you'll look for anything to convince that that narrative, that endpoint. You're, right. you're always and, and looking I, for it. I'm, I'm speaking of things as you know. You start to nitpick things like. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, I always throw it out blindly. I don't feel like he's great at adjusting mid-game, but I'm also the first one to admit that I don't know how he could do that any better than he might already. And I am a little bit far enough removed now that I'm not even sure I can recognize that and speak to it accurately. That just might be me looking for something. Uh, I think the the team having those third period blown leads in the third period over the years was always something to look at and, and pin on the coach. I think, you know, something as little as, you know, face-offs lost, who's taking the draw, stuff like that. What You're nitpicking. And then it always goes back to the easiest one ever is how's he handling his goaltenders, pulling the goalie too early. What's the rotation like? The most recent thing, of course, was, you know, the, the, the decision that they're going to keep three up and how they're going to rotate that and everything else. And people were in, you know, in a tizzy about it. I was myself. Um, but look what's happened, like we touched on earlier. And now it appears as though, you know, that was a, there was a stroke of luck to that, sure. But it's probably going to play out positively for them in the long run, or at least we hope so. One of the things I was thinking tonight after the, uh, the extent of the Halak injury was announced was they're playing Toronto tonight, right? Worst team in the universe by many accounts. <coughs> why isn't why isn't Peruby getting a chance tonight? But then I thought, you know, well, it's Grice's ball. He needs to run with it now. And, you know, they, uh, they're they off until Saturday after this game. So it makes sense to get him in there and get him a game. And, and, and you know, that's not for me to think about anyway. Uh, but, you know, that's the type of stuff that people latch onto, and they can, and it, and, it, and it only perpetuates the uh, the impossible uh, situation that is once you've decided that that a coach sucks, for lack of a better term, it's really hard to get off that. Yeah, you know, and I was thinking the same thing with Toronto. There's an opportunity to get Barube right in, into the into the tandem, get him get him started. But then I was like, you know what? They know best. That was my statement because the Islanders all this season have proved the commenting fans on goalies wrong. So what's my opinion, really? And I think that needs to be a little bit more reality to that because we've been shown to be wrong too often this season to really, and going by our eyeballs, to always know what's going on. The the, the case in point of what scouts have pointed to with Grice, the more he plays, the more human he becomes. You're going to see that. Um, the same is going to be said of, you know, of when to start the goal, which goalie, and look at how good that the Islanders have handled the tandem. People complained yeah. after Halak had a bad, couple bad starts. Oh, let's put in Greasy's the number one. 
And they went right back. They they ran Grice, and guess what? They went right back to Halak. And right. you know yep. what? They were right. And I, I think people need to just shut the fuck up. And that's yeah. the you know that's the the reality here. And, and, and yeah, it, shut the fuck up for sure. But uh, I got to remind myself <laughs> of that often. And that, that's the thing I like to to vent on. Uh, throw that out there to to the world sometimes. Just shut the fuck up. It's probably better off for everybody. Everybody's probably better off for it, I should say. But but looking ahead at this at the the schedule here down the stretch, I if I'm counting correctly, I'm only seeing four back to backs. Okay, so that's an opportunity. I was trying to figure out where I was going with this. I was trying to figure out you know when when might oh really get, get some get time. time. Yeah, exactly. And but you know four uh, four, four back to backs left. Uh, with what do we have? Uh, I don't know. I lost my, my. So we have eight. What eighteen games left? You know, it might not be too far of a stretch to say that he plays four games, and it's part of those back to backs. You know. Yeah, I think he'll actually play more than that, but um, because you have to go with, especially with a six-week injury to Hawk. You need to have Brave uh, be part of the tandem of what they were planning and making sure that just like they were using Grice to make sure that both goalies were fresh and not overworked, I think that yep. the same philosophy is going to be employed here. I expect them to play more than four games. I, I, I really do, and I think that this will be proof positive of that philosophy. The Islanders want fresh goalies, not overworked when it comes to, down to the playoffs. And well, then let's in the call playoffs, that, it becomes a, about the hot hand. Right. Let, let's let's call that four-game mark the absolute minimum, right? I, I would yep, imagine yep. That, that that's a safer play and maybe more of, of kind of what I was, was, was going for there. Yeah, I'm thinking um, six to eight, but we'll, we'll yeah. see. Four to ten, six to eight. You met me in the middle. I'm okay with that. It works for me. <laughs> Uh, but you know, as we as we get closer to the playoffs, uh, people are starting to to look a little bit ahead. But I want to take a peek back because we had to unfortunately skip a week there, and we didn't uh, really cover the uh, monumental trade deadline acquisition that was Shane Prince. What uh, what what should we throw out there for the people along those lines? And uh, what are your thoughts on the early returns? I know he's only got a goal, but I think uh, I think he showed some promise. He has shown some promise. He's fit right in. He's been used. Um, you know, he's getting some shots on goal. He's being used. Uh, the, the the comments made to me almost immediately in which I wrote up in the piece almost immediately, people were trying to play it like I was over uh, overanalyzing the, what was a minor pickup. The fact mm-hmm. was from the Islanders, this wasn't a minor pickup. This is somebody they felt that was a little bit of a a jewel in the rough type of situation. This is somebody who wasn't getting his opportunity, and that Ottawa Senator fans were really pissed off that they were losing. Um, and I, I think that was very important. People get pissed because they're looking for the prize, and there was no prize. You know, the 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 market didn't merit it. Uh, those prizes who got uh, sold were overpaid for, and then those that went. In the end, we're really, you know, the Islanders got a bargain. Did anybody, so did anybody take a second? I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I was a, a, an expert on Shane Prince's career to this point, but did anybody take a second to look uh, and recognize that you're talking about a, a, a second-round draft pick, 61st overall uh, in 2011, 
who had uh, two seasons uh, with 80, 80 back-to-back seasons in the OHL with 88 and 90 points, two-time 20-plus yep. goal scorer in the AHL, and only 44 games in the NHL to his credit. You know, we don't know. No, no one took the time except except do. for you know a couple of us trying to bring up you know not just analytics, but yeah. the fact that you know this was not a small pickup, and. I think that got underrated. He was groomed and was always considered a top six forward. Is he a top three? Not necessarily. Um, the Islanders run their second and third line almost the same, depending on the situation and the teams that they're playing. So he seems to fit right in um, and seems to be doing well, um, doing the same thing that maybe Grab- Grabowski was doing. You know, so, you know, I, I don't think it's, and look, look at the, the the players that are going to be walking this summer. You know, I and and I will go into the KO thing that uh, Dreger brought up in, in a few minutes before we end this uh, the show. But you know, Prince is someone that the Islanders thought was the type of player that might work well within their system, and the Islanders are in a situation of needing that because they're going to lose some players. And this was actually a smart move. Was it their only move? No. I think they were working on the bigger things that we had talked about, uh, namely with uh, Hamannick, of doing a salary-for-salary deal, which you did not see almost any of that type of of trade uh, at the end at all. It was all about, you know, just draft picks and futures. And the fact is the Islanders held on to all their players because it was about achieving now. And and was able to get a player under the radar when they couldn't do, you know, what they wanted to do. And I think that they tried. And, you know, and let's be honest, the, the, had you been listening to the shows and following along that, you, you know, we talked about the market wasn't really leaning that way. There wasn't big players for sale. There weren't, you know, great uh, players. Those teams that were making most of the deals were copper bus teams. You know, we point to other teams constantly as fans, I've noticed. Um, never taking into account how long that team took to get to the point that they did. Everybody points to the Capitals in Chicago and L.A. doing the deals that they did and forget, the, you know, the, the decades for Chicago, the years and years of first-round uh, frustrations for the Capitals for them to get there. And we sit there impatient because the Islanders drop, you know, lost in the first round just last year. And sometimes it seems very arrogant and, and kind of childish uh, uh, and naive. And I really think we need to stop pointing to those other teams. Those other teams are cup or bust teams or have been champions. And there's a reason they're at that point. And, you know, the, the point is the Islanders are not there yet, but they're going to be there soon. And, you know, I would say within the next year or, or even two years, depending on what kind of deals happen this summer. Um, but the, the fact is they're not in that situation. So you can't always look for them to make this, you know, sweeping deal and getting the best player out there. Those are the, the teams that can afford to make those kind of uh, deals. Yeah, and I think, again, another thing we've talked about before, I think a lot of that comes from the oversensitivity of so many years down in the dumps and all the bad things that have happened. And 
you know, the overreaction to the slightest bit of bad news. I mean, even the Hawak thing today, it's okay. It, you know, that's very unfortunate that you lost the starting goaltender for a significant portion of time. But the first thing I thought was, not that I know anything, man, I'm just a guy that's sitting here talking about hockey, but the first thing I thought was, well, you know, that's why you go and you get a guy like Thomas Christ. I mean, far be it for me to be the guy that's seeing things half the glass half full, but uh, you know, maybe you're rubbing off on me a little bit. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but let's let, let's let's give you some time to to bring up the Drager Oposo thing. I do want to hear that. Well, I just wanted to put one thing on on your last point. Depth matters. We've seen it last right. year, and we've seen it again this year. The Islanders' a better example of depth matters. Once again, so you know, and once again, Garth in in promoting and keeping depth on the GM side has really helped. But let let's talk about you know, look, we, we if you've been following along from this show back from over the summer, or if you've been following me over Twitter, and not everybody is, I know that there's a lot of new listeners. I've been getting a, a great feedback from our show, and I really appreciate it. But we talked about one of the first couple shows over the summer that I had heard that uh, Kyle Oposo and his agent wanted seven plus million per year for at least a five to six year term. And that is not what the Islanders can afford, nor is it something that they're going to give unless it's to an elite player. And the argument is that Kyle Oposo is not an elite player. He doesn't get the first assists in goals. He gets some. But he's really not. If you look in the last two years of forwards, he's not part of that elite crowd. Um, and and that's just a fact. Now, it's good that, uh, you know, Dreger is saying that they're talking a little bit more. But the fact is, unless he comes down substantially from the astronomical point that they were over the summer, it's going to be, you know, he's walking. So I would be very surprised how far back they're going to go because I, I don't really see it. But the fact that Dreger said in his musings, and I, I think this is because they're just in Canada, they're just disconnected and they just believe, you know, whatever crap comes out of whatever rumor comes out of the rumor mill that Dreger said, you know, you know, maybe he mused. That has to do with the Oposo's not happy with the, you know, the, the inconvenience of Brooklyn and Barclays. And that is complete and utter bullshit. Uh, but that's unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfortunate because this is the assumption that anybody who doesn't understand other NHL teams deal with all the time. And it's just because Dreger is not, you know, they just don't understand they're not here. He's he's covering thirty, you know, thirty some odd teams, and you know when I saw it, I was like wanted to slap my forehead. But the, f- the fact is that is not the issue. The issue is money. The mission. The the issue is money in term, and the fact that Kyle Posa wants elite money. And you know what? In the market that we have, and what uh, teams have doled out in the last two years, you know what? Somebody's going to pay that. But it's not going to be the Islanders. And that is all what it's about. It's all about the money. And, you know, would it be great if he finally came down to a, at a reasonable point in term? That would be fantastic. But this is a huge payday for him, just like it is for Franz Nielsen, just like it will be for Matt Martin. Um, 
I don't really think probability that they retain any of the three. I think Franz is probably the best chance. Uh, somebody's going to overpay for Matt Martin uh, to be a fourth liner. Fourth liners are expendable. That's reality. You can get them in the UFA or a small trade. But Dreams Rangers to me. <laughs> somebody's going to, especially somebody Seriously, who overrates though. hits. You know, the Islanders push hits. They make a big thing about it. But let me tell you, when it comes to analytics, hits don't really matter. Uh, it's more about, you know, possession play and doing the right things. And Matt Martin does do some other things. That's what the Islander players do. They have other attributes. But the fact is, money-wise, and cap reality is, you. and if you want to see who overpaid for fourth liners and, and bit the dust, look no further than last year's Boston Bruins, who overpaid for fourth liners and it got Torelli fired. Um, they couldn't hold on to the players they needed. And then they had to let players go and then trade them. That's what happens when you overpay for fourth liners. So if anybody's, you know, stuck on the Matt Martin thing, well, you better get used to some of that reality. But this is why Kyle Poso is likely to go and walk. Um, hopefully friends and, and the Islanders can come up with something. But you know what? With all their depth and all those things that they have and seem to be able to work with, you know, the fact is maybe, you know, you know, if Franz feels that there's more opportunity elsewhere, good for him. You know, he's a, he's, he's the one lone Millbury guy that actually did a goddamn thing, which is, you know, it would be great if he was an Islander for life. Uh, you know, I would hate you mean, to see you him. Mean the, the one and only Millbury guy who actually did a goddamn thing with the Islanders. Uh, yeah, that's the true. Very good point. That wasn't. Hey. That wasn't traded away yeah. for a stick of butter and some magic beans. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, nobody's going to want to hear this. And I think I got lost in the shuffle because I was talking over you like I'm getting really good at doing. But, uh, you know, <laughs> over overpaying for Matt Martin specifically or even a Matt Martin type, but specifically Matt Martin in this case, um, to continue to play on the fourth line and be what he is because that's what he's going to be. Uh, screams New York Rangers to me, uh, given the you know given the geographic proximity and given all that. But uh, I don't know. That's just this weird feeling that I have, and uh, I don't know. It doesn't really bother me that much because I, I like the player a lot. I, I wish it would work out to where he could stay here for a long time. But uh, that's the type of mistake I'd love to see somebody else make. Anyway, um, speaking of the Rangers, I did want to touch on that crazy game from Sunday and also kind of gloss into the fact that when people look toward the playoffs, people are already starting to talk about the uh, potential of a first-round matchup between the Islanders and the Rangers. But first, uh, that game on Sunday, uh, But if you blinked, and I did blink thanks to NHL.TV not working properly for me, uh, it was 3 nothing, and then 4-3 before you knew it. And that's uh, that was a little wacky for my taste. Well, it, 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 those those games tend to be, and, and this is always true, it doesn't matter if the Islanders are having a good or bad season. The rivalry games are unto themselves. You know, I don't always worry about possession or all the different attributes and analytics. When you have a rivalry game, it kind of takes a, a, a level and, and of their own. And the fact is, it could have easily been the Rangers up 3 nothing, and the Islanders come storming back. You know, those are the those rivalry games tend to be the crazy games that the Islanders were able to pull it out is is great and 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 what we've seen in, the, in other subsequent games 
the kind of things that you want to see, despite that, you know, the other team, they let them back in. Fact is, if you score early, chances are that the other team's going to take, you know, come out storming in the next period and, and start to, to try to get the, you know, tied up. So I, I wasn't so concerned about it. I was, you know, when I saw it 3-0 so early, you know, I kind of felt like, well, this is a game of momentum. And, if, you know, the Islanders are going to have to steal themselves for the next period. And it got a little dicey. And that's how I view it. Well, that is, uh, that's another one that people are going to look at. And I did it myself. I've noticed, again, another thing I've noticed as I've gotten older is that my, my initial reactions are not nearly as wise as when I've had time to think about things. Isn't that, isn't that something? Go figure, right? <laughs> when, you, when you take some time to really break things down, you tend to see, uh, you see things a little more deeply. But uh, that game is something that most people are going to look at and go, yeah, they won, but, geez, that was sloppy. No, you know what? You know what the takeaway from that should be? That's a game that this team would normally lose. A game when you get up three nothing like that, and who not the Rangers, but whomever comes storming back, and then they, you know, the game's tied. That's that's a game that the old Islanders would absolutely lose. Not only the fact that they that they got the uh, the go ahead goal, but they they went ahead and iced things by you know sealing the deal on the empty net. That is uh, the best thing that could have been taken away from that game. But let's shift gears <laughs> to. A potential first-round matchup with the Rangers. Everybody else is talking about it. Why don't we touch on it for a few short minutes here? Uh, I that's something that uh, I remember in 1993. Uh, I was the only guy in Melbourne Beach, Florida. The, certainly the only 14-year-old kid wearing his Islanders shirt to school, probably three times that very week uh, out of the four games that they had in that unfortunate. I'm sorry, 1994. So I was 15. Um, uh, when they got swept, that's uh, a matchup that I've been looking forward to since then. Uh, I got made fun of for wearing the same shirt three times in a week. I uh, probably got made fun of for, for wearing any kind of hockey shirt in Florida at that time uh, once, let alone three times in a given week. Uh, and I think I cried myself to sleep four times uh, on the four t- on the four game days that were played in that series, of which we will speak of no longer. Uh, but it's going to take that for me to exercise those demons. And I'm ready for it. I don't know about you. <laughs> Look, you know, um, yeah, you know, I had, uh, what was it? I, I had been there at the Madison Square Garden. I was going to school in Brooklyn um, for when the Islanders got knocked out. Was it 93? Well, uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, the Ranger series? Yeah, like I know the 94, they wiped the floor with them. But the year before... Was it 92 or 93 that the Islanders met them in the playoffs and they got knocked it out? Wasn't in, uh, it wasn't 93 because 93 was when they lost to Montreal in the conference final. So it's got to be 92. Yeah. Um, I was there uh, at that game and when they got knocked out. You know, it's 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 it is bitter and tough, and it wouldn't you know, but that's the kind of situation that you want. You want it to be where all the marbles are on the table. That's when you want the Islanders to knock them out. And, you know, those are the games that we grew up with and that rivalry and actually meeting in the playoffs. So it's it's definitely an option that might happen. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, I do think I would rather 
to to be honest, meet the Rangers in the second round. Um, for uh, for the Islanders to get over the hump of yeah. the first round uh, versus a different team, I would prefer them in the second round. Um, because I think that the rivalry is unto itself. So, um, you know, we're going to go over a, co- a minute or two here, but uh, in this answer, but uh, over our hour. But basically, I, I feel that the you know. I prefer the Islanders and the Rangers. The rivalry takes its own uh, life of its own. And, you know, we talk about the, you know, we're trying to gauge that the Islanders are going past the first round. Are they good enough? Well, if they meet the Rangers in the first round, then the first round becomes something else altogether. And it's very hard to gauge. It becomes a dogfight. And it, it becomes on its own level. And I want to see that. But I just don't want to see it in the first round. I want the Islanders to kind of get over the hump and, you know, knock off a team that they're better than. And they've been showing that except for like the top teams that they are better than those other teams. So I think they have a very good chance to go into the second round, depending on the matchup. But once the Islanders meet the Rangers, then it's a dogfight, And that, you know, it's, it's knocked down, dragged down players hurt craziness. And you want to see it, but you know the 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 woe to the victor because they're going to be coming out uh, staggering. Yeah, and uh, I might come out of it staggering, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> uh, no matter how things turn out, that won't be a battle physically, emotionally, and uh, I'm talking about myself, not just the teams. Uh, <laughs> but that's but that's me. I'm the crazy one. In any event, uh, that should do it, huh? Anything else? No, I think we've hit on all the basic uh, stuff. Look, the Islanders had a great run on the road. Um, you know, Halleck went down. You know, that we're going to see some Grice reality. Um, you know, hopefully that reality is going to be some, some you know, this, it's not going to be all sunshine and lollipops. And, uh, you know, and being the best in the NHL, I think that's going to go down a little bit. But the team is confident behind them, and I think they're very capable. So we're, we're going to see what they're made of, and we're going to see what Grice is made of. Um, and, you know, I think that we've hit on all the major issues, and, uh, you know, till next week. The only major issue left is the third period uh, of a tie game staring us right in the face. That's only three references to the live game taking place during the show, and I know I promised you I wouldn't talk about it, but – I held it to three. That's pretty good. You got to give me some credit. Yeah, good job. So until next week, folks, this is Isles Beat. Good night. See ya. And now, if I could only find the closing music. There we go. I found it. There we go.
Yes, what is it? I need to go poopies. 